0: Ready? okay here we go okay
1: hey 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 grace and a man with arms raised look reveal read teach me O Lord to follow your decrees then I will keep them to the end give me understanding and I will keep your law and obey it at all with all my heart direct me in the path of your commands there I find delight turn my heart towards your statutes and not towards selfish gain turn my eyes away from worthless things preserve my life according to your word fulfill your promise to your servants so that you may be feared take away the disgrace I dread for your laws are good how I long for your precepts preserve my life in your righteousness in your righteousness
0: very nice Okay, so we move that, and if I am correct, it's November 16th.
1: You're wrong. Oh, it's
0: the 17th. 17th. I better turn the page. Uh, Bob Seeger. Yes. Okay, let's go back. There we are. Okay, how did a gypsy boy grow up to be a great evangelist? Rod. Yeah, you got it. Rodney Smith was born in a tent in England in 1860 to illiterate gypsy parents Cornelius and Polly Smith. When Rodney was a young boy, his oldest sister became very sick. The local doctor diagnosed it as smallpox and told the father to take his family and leave town at once. Nice doctor. Cornelius set up camp outside of town. He stayed with his sick daughter in the wagon and the rest of the family stayed in a tent a short distance away to keep From being infected unfortunately Rodney's brother and mother came down with smallpox as well as his wife lay dying Cornelius asked do you try to pray my dear yes she answered i'm trying and while i'm trying to pray it seems as though a black hand comes before me and shows me all that i have done and something whispers there is no mercy for you as a boy Cornelius had earned i'm sorry had heard the gospel while in prison So he told her what he had learned, that Christ died for sinners and that he was her savior if she would look to him. As he finished, she threw her arms around him and kissed him. Cornelius went out of the wagon to weep and as he did so, he heard her singing, I have a father in the promised land. My God calls me, I must go to to meet him in the promised land. He hurried back into the wagon and asked, Polly, my dear, where did you learn that song? She said, I heard it when I was a little girl. One Sunday, my father's tents were pitched on a village green and seeing the young people and others go into a little chapel. I followed them in, and they sang those words. She kept singing the words over and over. That children's song became a lifeline that pulled Polly from her darkness into God's light. She died the next day. Several years later, Cornelius himself determined he must turn to God. He went to a meeting at a mission hall where he was wonderfully converted. He came home a new man. Observing the change in his father, young Rodney had a deep longing to experience the same change in his own life. One evening, as he was sitting near his father's tent, Rodney asked him the question, are you going to wander about as a gypsy boy and a gypsy man without hope? Or will you be a Christian and have some definite object to live for? He surprised himself when he answered his own question. By the grace of God, I will be a Christian and I will meet my mother in heaven. A few days later, on November 17th, 1876 rodney went to the primitive methodist chapel in cambridge determined that if there was an opportunity he would publicly give himself to christ at the end of the service the pastor invited those who wanted to give themselves to the lord to come to the communion rail rodney was the first to go forward there in simple faith uh, young rodney smith committed himself to jesus christ he went home and his father wept as rodney told him that his prayers had been answered Rodney Smith became the great evangelist known as Gypsy Smith. He traveled widely, making over 50 trips to the United States to hold evangelistic meetings. Although uneducated, he was a winsome preacher. His straightforward messages and simple gospel songs brought thousands to Jesus Christ. Why do you think God often draws people to himself who feel we are unlikely candidates for becoming Christians? God specializes in the unexpected he even had his son be born in a stable and then die on a criminal's cross the this reminds us that since god is the god of the unexpected no one is eliminated as a candidate for his kingdom 1 corinthians 1, 26 and 27 remember dear brothers and sisters that a few of you were that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when god called you instead god deliberately chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. <laughs> uh, just so you know, you don't need to go up in front of a church and receive Jesus. You can do that right now in your heart if that's something you want to do. Just talk to him. Admit you're a sinner. Ask him to forgive you of for your sins. He died for your sins. He was buried. He rose again. Believe that and you will be saved. <clears throat> Samuel Classy Um He asked for prayers that me, my dad Jarvis, my brother Michael, and my grandpa Ralph have a safe opening weekend for Wisconsin's gun deer season this weekend, and that we return home safe and sound Saturday and Sunday. And um, uh, he also asked for my grandpa Roland from my mom's side of the family. He's in his early to mid-80s, and his health is failing, his heart is failing, and pretty soon his legs will fail as well. Once his legs go, he will be wheelchair-bound. My family is praying that he can at least make it till Christmas. However, we understand that it's not our timing, but God's. But he's asking for prayers. Mm -hmm. And then Lisa White in Australia is still struggling with her health and not sleeping well, so keep her in prayer. But her daughter is doing better. She's taking some steroids and is able to breathe a little better. Uh, And then we have a pastor in Togo that needs prayer. Let's see here. Um, His name is... Uh where is this? Hang on just a second here. doesn't oh yes, Kofi. Kofi is his name. He's in Togo. He has a high fever and malaria. Mm-hmm. and so we're asking for prayers for them as well. So Heavenly Father, we do lift these people up to you and uh, the requests that have been made and anybody else that's right now struggling with whatever is going on in their life, there might be a financial need they're burdened with or. A physical need or an emotional need or something else but lord you know all things and uh, we would just lift up all the hearts that are directed to you right now that you would search them out and uh, uh, be with the people in their times of affliction or distress and uh, these people here as well and their needs and requests we do lift them up to you lord we also lift up this class to you knowing that uh, you know, we are fallible in the presence of your word and we often make mistakes in it and we would pray that would not be the case but if there's something that is uh, wrong that is not being taught properly we would pray that that would not be the case and that you would correct it so uh, we would never intentionally give doctrine out here that was incorrect so help us in this lord and uh, help us not to be stubborn if something is presented that shows us where we're wrong and uh, may it be to your glory and we pray this in jesus name Amen. amen
1: My son, John, too.
0: He's anemic. John is anemic. Yeah, he's he
1: down about half of what he
0: should be. Oh, boy. Really? What do you mean? Uh, uh His blood level or something? Yeah. Okay, and John is anemic, and he needs prayer as yeah. well. So, yeah. what's that? Yeah. Yes. American. Was that working? Oh, good, yeah. Oh, good, okay. Because I saw the red light, and I assumed that it was, but I never... I don't think I got a bing on this. I got no bing, so that's...
1: Usually, I, I get, get a bing. Thing from, do you want to watch from YouTube? no yes no I'm just gonna be showing some of the verses or like less time oh there verses okay right. good so I good the Greek word, I can put it up the put it up
0: for the people okay wow. I got one more thing to read you before we get into class um uh, this is from the gentleman in Pakistan hmm. boy he's like you know he's he's not trained in theology or anything but he's like a pastor to these people already he's tending to their every need I will not give names, but we have a prayer request about one of our neighbors, a new believer who came to Christ, accepted him in August, so probably the first uh, meeting that they had. Um, Her name is, and I won't give it, and she has been regularly coming to worship God together with another woman. Won't give her name as well, at her house every Sunday. This morning, we heard, and this is about four days ago, we heard, uh, I won't finish the name there, we heard this person is in need of our prayers for her difficult time. That her husband has left her he has beaten her a week ago he forced her not to follow christianity he asked her to go to temple and worship idols and offer sacrifices to it every week she tried to explain to him things about the true god he denied and instead he left her alone so now she's uh, left with three children that she has to take care of she's very upset these days we prayed with her and encouraged her This morning, she came to worship meeting at her house, and she requested to pray that God will bring her peace. She's afraid of her husband, who may again beat her. She needs God's protection since she has no work. She has skills to sew clothes. She wants to start sewing business at her home so women from her neighborhood can sew clothes so she may earn good enough pay for rent and utility bills and to buy food. She would need to buy a sewing machine and necessary items to get started. She told us it would cost her $218 to make a sewing setup. So uh, I told him that I will send the money tomorrow, Friday, but I want to give an offer to anybody in the church that hears this now. If I get home and there's an email and it says I'll pay it, great. Somebody already offered $50 It's involved in the email. There's a couple people that are always involved in his emails and uh so uh, 218 minus 50 is whatever that is but if anybody wants to do that great let me know and uh if not i'm just going to send her the money tomorrow but i wanted to give people a chance to help out this lady we're praying for her husband that he will soften uh, his heart and accept jesus please pray for her i won't give her name again in her very difficult time we found she is very strong faithful lady so there you go with that okay sorry i didn't mean to miss that but uh here we go. We have um, uh, we're in verse two eighteen today, and so you start wherever you want, and we'll Let's just go from the there.
1: Beginning of the paragraph, which would be sixteen. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regards to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. There are shadows of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Mm. Do not let anyone who delights in fake or false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you for the prize. Such a person goes into great detail about what he has seen and his unspiritual mind puffs him up with idle notions.
0: Okay, Uh, this one says it a little differently. Let no one cheat you of your reward taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen. So yours uh, leaves out not. This one includes it. it. You'll get the same sense either way, but um, uh, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. So this yours, if that is the correct rendering, which is probably not, but if it is, uh, it's saying that he thinks he's seen. In other words, he's seen, he hasn't seen. And this one is obviously clearly saying that he has not seen. Whichever is right, doesn't make any difference. You get the sense, but just so you know, there is a small difference there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, speaking about that, I won't give it away. I typed up a devotional this morning, which will be out in 13 days. And uh, uh, yesterday was the uh, first mention of this individual. And then there'll be one or two more, and maybe it was the last one today. Anyway, it was uh, Acts 12, verse 13. Burke, do you know who's mentioned in Acts 12, verse 13? A young girl named... Oh, um, George... Rhoda. Rhoda. There you go. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Okay. I'm
1: quiet about that. Yeah, very, yeah.
0: Anyway, I told her yesterday, so she knew that I had done a commentary on... But I, there's something kind of similar to what you said in my commentary about the second verse of her being in there today. Um, anyway, having said that, um, I was... Uh, just started reviewing next week's sermon. We got this Sunday sermon coming up, which is obviously part one and part two. So part two explains what's going on in the passage. But I was looking over part two today. I was start preparing for it in advance, and so that's what I was doing. And like last week, where Sergio uh, he said I, I thought that might be what this was pointing to, and I, I wasn't sure. I was thinking about this particular sermon as well part two part one you get information that's what you're going to get this sunday Uh, part two you're going to get the details and like last week if you can read it you know read the whole passage it's not the whole chapter there's uh it goes through verse 20 something whatever anyway um and then a new section comes in which will be part uh not part three it'll be a a third sermon from that chapter but has nothing to do with the first two um but i was thinking about Sergio's comments on Sunday and about all of the the types and the pictures. And the reason why I'm saying that is because it was talking about shadows that mm-hmm. you were reading from the verse the previous verse, shadows and substance, but the substance is Christ. There is, and I'm certain that last week's typology was correct. And I'm certain that next week's typology is correct. I'm certain of it okay it's not like sometimes you think could this be correct and i'm not sure which actually we got one coming up in chapter 13 where i'm actually going to say i wasn't sure about the typology of a number sermon and i said that in the introduction and i have a completely different view of the typology from that and i'm glad that we got into joshua and able to process what's going on but i'm certain about last week i'm certain about next week's there is no way that a Jewish person, a person of Israel, would make the, the pictures, the typological pictures that these things were pointing to, such as the Gentile inclusion last week. Mm-hmm. You, you understand the logic sure. there? D- you, did you appreciate the sermon coming up next week? There's no way that you would ever have somebody from Israel put something in there that is anticipating what that's anticipating, would they? It would never happen. In a million years, it would never happen. Okay? And that, I was sitting here thinking about it today. It's all shadows, it's all, let me read that again. It says right here, so no let, let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbath, which are a shadow of the things to come, but the substances of Christ. Okay? We know that. And if you Propose those words there to somebody in Israel today, they would say, no, no, they would they'd be against it completely. Right. And the Judaizers, the Hebrew roots movement, they see that and they say, no. Okay. There is no way that somebody from Israel would write what they have done in the typology we've seen all the way from Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, mm-hmm. Deuteronomy, and now Joshua. They would not do that. And that tells me, it, I was just sitting here thinking, it never dawned on me until sitting here after uh, cleaning the bathroom this this afternoon. I got here early and I had nothing to do and I'm just sitting there thinking, it assures me beyond any shadow of a doubt that this is the word of God. I mean, I know that, I've always known it it's from the day that I picked it up and started going through it. This is God's word. But to think of what is being presented in this typology and particularly, particularly next week's like last week, they're they're kind of the same thinking. They would never have proposed that in typology, mm. ever. It would not happen. And so I want you to know that as you're reading the Bible and you're questioning your faith about something, you're whatever stick with this typology. To me, that is the highest form of understanding what is going on in the Old Testament. I mean, we've got a historical record and we can go and dig in a place and say, well, that matches this. And that's very affirming. Okay. Yesterday I was watching on YouTube. I'm waiting for he to go to finish cooking. And I'm watching a guy. He does the top tens. He does about 15 different channels. He's a guy in the UK. He's an avowed denier of any religion he just and including Christianity and yet he did one yesterday it was about ten minutes long and one of the things he said is things that the Bible is accurate about and he went through some of the old Testament things that they have proven one hundred percent this city is there this is there's no doubt and then he of course starts dismissing the Bible in other areas not knowing what it contains but Um, uh, you've got the historical record you've also got the prophetic record you can say, you know what, I know that this has happened in human history and I know that it was prophesied long ago and so you've got that assurance as well all right? and you've got a moral application that no other book on this planet provides no book sets the foundation for family life, for uh, proper living, for human existence as it should be like this book We've got people that have written great books about how to live your life properly and how to interact with others and blah, 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 blah. None of them compare in the slightest to what is proposed in the pages of Scripture. And so that will affirm us as well. But i got to tell you what, all of those things to me are, I won't say they're subservient to typology, but they are only understood properly when you understand the typology. Because the typology confirms everything else. It confirms the moral base, it confirms the history, it, it all weaves together so beautifully. And so uh, I, I was so excited just sitting there thinking about that after having reviewed next week's sermon. So don't send me an email what you think it's about because um, I already know what it's about. And I I, I will just, you know, I won't have time to read it and evaluate your comments properly, okay? I just get really busy. But I want you, if you can, and I'll tell you what verse to stop at because I don't have it right in front of me. But it's Joshua uh, chapter 10. And we're going to do 1 through 15 this Sunday. Read that. And then next week will be... um, uh, Uh, Let's see here 1 through 15 And then next week We'll be through Probably um, uh, uh, Probably through Verse 27. 27 Yes Okay It ends at 27 And then after that From 28 through the end Of the chapter Will be something else Okay But read that And see if you can Just deduce the typology In your own mind What is the Lord Telling us Why is he telling us These things Why does he include this Why does he include This person's name And not that person's name Why does he mention this city but not that city? This is what the Lord is telling us. He's telling us real things that are happening in the world that affect you and you and me right now. They affect Israel right now. They affect everybody on this planet in one way or another, okay? Some of them are more direct. They affect only Christians. Some of them are more direct, and they affect only uh, this group of people that's coming against Uh, you as a a believer, but the Lord is telling us things with these stories. They all have meaning, and so when we read, I'll read it one more time, and then we'll get into the comments here. When we read these words, it says, so let no one judge you in food or in drink regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbath, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Somebody is saying that these things that are found in the Old Testament no longer apply. Any Jew will come to you and say, I disagree with that. And any Judaizer will come to you and say, I disagree with that. They've rejected the message of Christ, okay? The same thing is true with the typology of the Old Testament, which God is telling us, this is what I want you to know. And so uh, this is not something that the Lord, uh, that a person would intentionally do. Only the Lord, who is outside of time, above us, and seeing the entire picture all at one time, would do this. Mm -hmm. He's the only one that will give us a prophecy of something that's going to come, that comes about. We can make guesses. You know, the Simpsons have been very good. Mom, are you okay? She's asleep. Um, uh, She is breathing, isn't she? Okay. Um, uh, The uh, Simpsons are very good about uh, guessing uh, guessing (laughs) what will happen in the future. And they have a little system that they've gone through, and they explained it one time. I did not hear the explanation, but they said, this is how we know that this person will be sitting in this chair at this time, and it'll look like it was something that we prophesied about. And they never claimed that, but they just are very good about this type of thing. So um, uh, that, that is completely different than prophecy, saying 2,000 years from now, on this day, this thing is going to happen. We have a real sure word. So, let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbath, which are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Here it is. Let no one cheat you of your reward. He's talking about what he just mentioned. This is something that I am telling you. And if you don't listen, they are cheating you of your reward. Let no one do that. Taking delight in false humility... Oh, I observed the law of Moses. Oh, I don't eat pork. He's saying, don't let anybody do that to you. They are cheating you. They are robbing you. Oh, I see. They are robbing you. I saw everybody looking over there and I didn't know what was going on. They're robbing you of your your acceptance of God's grace. Mm -hmm. They're robbing you of your fruitful, peace. peace. Mm -hmm. Your fruitful relationship with Jesus. So don't let anybody do that. All right, yes.
1: Say something that's interesting that you just, Triggered a thought in my head. Okay, you've got typology in the Old Testament. That if they knew what they were, sh- they, would about, they would have never, they would never written it down whatsoever. And so the two witnesses, and and I don't right. think Moses is going to be one of them. No. but but if he were, he'd be going, look, you clowns! I wrote this right here. Did you not know what I was writing about? Didn't this you picture? know what I was telling right, you? Right. And, and like, Jesus you know,
0: said, "This is all about
1: me." Go back and look at Moses. It's all
0: about me. Right. Unbelievable. So, All right,
1: so he would, he would make sense there, even though I don't think it's going to. be. Absolutely, it's, like, it's just amazing.
0: Just, it it really is amazing. Is. It's beyond amazing to me. My heart is just it, it, it beats fast thinking about it. Um, okay, so uh, worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. The flesh is at enmity with the spirit, okay? The fleshly mind is somebody that's trying to please God through his own deeds, through his own, you know, whatever, under the law or even his own traditions like the Pharisees and all that. So here we go. Paul begins verse 18 in a manner similar to verse 16. He says, so let no one judge you. And uh, there he said, let no one cheat you. The two thoughts combine as stern warnings against troublemakers whose only intent is holding sway over others. The word cheat used by Paul is found only here in the New Testament. It refers to the act of discouraging or misleading believers by diverting them from their full potential in Christ. Like I said, if you are, you know, Paul is speaking to saved believers in the book of Galatians. Okay, and he is telling them, these people are robbing you of your, your relationship with Christ by telling you to do these things. And he goes into the example about Peter, stay away from the law, blah, 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 blah. He goes on and on. And then he says, if uh, you allow yourself to be circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. He says, and again, I say to you, if you allow yourself to be circumcised, you are a debtor to the whole law. Now, that does not mean that they have to observe the whole law and keep doing it in order to be saved. He's saying that they have fallen from grace and they might, in order to have any relationship with God in Christ, they would have to observe the law perfectly. That's the point he's making, okay? They are not going to lose their salvation if they go get themselves circumcised, but what they will do is they will lose all of their fellowship with Christ and all of their rewards that could be given to them in Christ because they can't fulfill the law and they're trying to observe something that Christ has already taken care of for them. So this is this is something that he brings up again and again and again in his writings is stay away from this type of thing because, listen, if you are saying that Christ's work was insufficient, you are setting aside everything that Christ has done and you will receive zero rewards from the Lord. So don't let people... As he says, don't let them judge you by what you are doing, and don't let them cheat you away from the goodness that you have attained in Christ, okay? It refers to the act of discouraging or misbelieving, misleading believers by diverting them from their full potential in Christ. It is a word which would be used of a judge who makes a wrong call and which in turn would deprive a person of their rightful prize. Now think of, you see this from time to time. I saw one, I think yesterday, it may have been two days ago, a guy was released from prison after, it was a long time, we'll say 30 years, it might have been 40, it might have been 20. It was a long time. And you think, he lost all of that. He lost all of that existence that he could have had outside. Okay, and somebody made a wrong call. Somebody made a wrong judgment in his life. And he was cheated out of that. He was cheated out of time with his family. Maybe some of his family died while he was gone from them. He didn't get to spend time with them. He was cheated out of his productive life, you know, making money, saving up for the future. He was cheated out of, you know, a relationship with somebody maybe. He was cheated out of all kinds of things because of a wrong call that was made. And that's what these people are going to do to you. I've got this wonderful young man, he emails me quite often, and he's uh, always being hamstrung by the Jehovah's Witnesses, and I tell him, this is wrong, this is why it's wrong, and then he comes back a while later, and he says, I need to know about this, and I've warned him, do not associate with these people. It says very clearly in 2 John, do not do that, okay, but And so he won't he's told them i am sorry i won't do that but they still come after him because he's got some in his family and all these people that are close to him and and uh he is learning he's learning the bible as he goes okay i'm helping him along in that process but if he allows them to misdirect him they will be cheating him he's not going to lose his salvation but the rest of his life he is going to lose his joy I got to tell you what, the Jehovah's Witnesses are the most unhappy group of people in the world. They have, they're under the umbrella of Christianity for these type of surveys, but they are not Christians. Get that right now. But they have the highest rate of suicides of any denomination. These are an unhappy group of people because they don't understand grace. They don't understand the nature of who God is in Christ. And somebody
1: stole their joy.
0: Somebody has stolen their joy, probably before they ever were saved, most of them. There are some people that were saved when they were young and they end up in the Jove's Witnesses. Guess what? That, that is who Paul is writing to right now. Don't let anybody cheat you, okay? Grace is something that can never be earned. Grace is something that m- most people don't understand. They don't get it. And I got to tell you what, if you don't get grace, then all of this other stuff here, oh, well, Charlie's wrong about that. Charlie, I'm sorry, I'm not wrong about that. Grace is the first and most paramount thing that you must have in your life as a believer. I'm not saying that you are not saved, but that is the thing that will, everything else will fall into place if you understand what grace is. Define now, it. It's what? Define it. Uh, well, grace is getting what you don't deserve. That's what it is. You don't deserve grace. And I got to tell you, when I screw up, and I know I've said this before, but when I screw up and I do something really stupid, which is like every eight minutes, but I, I think God why would you save a person like me? I never question oh. I I don't think I'm saved. I don't do that because I understand what the word grace means. I do not deserve what God has given me, but I do under I do ask him, "Why would you bother with a person like me? Why would you even care about me?" Grace is grace and it is something that we really should not even be able to understand, okay? Diversity. But Mercy. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. It's just the opposite of grace. I deserve a lot of really, really, really big punishment for the life I live and the things I think in my head, okay? But God is merciful. But grace is the first thing that we need to understand. And when we get grace, everything else falls into place. I got to tell you what, okay, Paul then explains how someone could so deprive a believer He first says that it would be through taking delight in false humility. The word false is inserted here, but it does give the correct sense. It uh, would read uh, taking delight in humility. Okay, humility is thought of as a strong Christian trait. But false humility is something which is loathsome. It's the kind of thing that Jesus really got down on people about, and it's the kind of thing that when you know somebody that is uh, faking humility in the church or in the world around you, you don't even, it's like you feel dirty when you leave them. It's like they're greasy, okay? Because they're trying to show you how ultra humble they are, and you can tell that they're not. They're seeking something, some side benefit or some recognition. And so false humility is loathsome. Uh, Where was I there? Yes, uh, the way that this false humility is made manifest is, Paul says, through the worship of angels. The two thoughts are tied together in a person who would claim that they were so humble as they would never approach God directly, but would rather come through a mediator, and not Jesus the mediator. Such false humility would then deprive the believer of their true right. Which is to believe the throne of, which is to approach the throne of grace boldly. okay? And that is something that we are told to do. I understand that Hebrews is written to the Hebrew people, but it, as I said last week, there are things in Hebrews that apply not only to the Jews, they apply to all believers, but it is a treatise that is written to the Jewish people. Okay? So I'm going to take you to Hebrews chapter four, and I'll read you what it says there. It says, Hebrews 9, 8, 7. We're going to get there in a second. Four, and then we're going to go to verse 16. Then it says there, let me go to 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. There, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So, that's what we have a right to. Yes, that's written to the Hebrew people, but Jesus is just as much our high priest as he was to the people of Israel when he died on the cross for them, okay? And he still is for them as well. I say was, I don't like using that word incorrectly. Christ is their high priest. He will always be their high priest. There is no suitable high priest other than him, okay? But... Um, it applies to us as well. How do we know this? Because Christ is our atoning sacrifice, okay? That's what a priest does. He does the atoning sacrifice. So when these people, especially hyper-dispensationalists, go cut up the gospel and say, well, that belongs to the Jews and that belongs to the uh, everybody else, they're wrong, completely wrong, all right? everything that Christ did all of the feasts of the Lord everything applies to everybody all the time okay it's just that we as we saw last week the inclusion of the gibeonites in that narrative last week was to show us how the gentiles came under the umbrella of a covenant that was made with Israel and with Judah okay that's why it's in there all right so as i said the two thoughts are tied together there because of Christ Jesus we have the full right to access the throne of God and we have full access to him in our time of need. I think this thing is going down again. It is, yes, um, in our time of need. But those who would take delight in false humility would petition dead saints. They would petition angels. They would petition anybody but Jesus because I don't want to bother God. with. My, they're being false, okay? That's all it is. Uh, They would petition dead saints, they would petition Mary, they would petition angels such as Michael and Gabriel, claiming that their prayers to such beings would be properly handled by them. Okay, uh, down the road from the church that I grew up in, which is a den of iniquity now, it's as pagan as any place on the uh, planet, but right down the road from them, there was a church and it was, we just knew it as St. Michael's. I had no idea what it meant, it just said St. Michael's, okay? Years later, I learned how to do something that everybody gets to do when they're 16. So I learned how to drive, and I'm driving around on Siesta Key, and I actually took the time to look at the sign as I was driving by at 118 miles an hour. Okay. (laughs) It said Saint Michael the Archangel. And I was like, what? And I didn't even know anything about theology. I'm like, what on earth is that? They're worshiping angels. This is the type of false humility that this is speaking of. Angels, Saint Michael and Saint this and Saint that. Listen, let me tell you what, that is not where we go to have our conversation with God. We go to God through
1: Jesus. What
0: the uh, it's Catholic. Oh, RC. Yeah, absolutely. So this is the kind of thing that this is speaking of. Okay. Um, it is a trap, here it is, which Roman Catholicism teaches quite clearly. And those who follow in such teachings are deprived of their rightful use of God's throne. Oh, we got to say, what's the first thing you do? When you, you do wrong, They you go into that little box with this guy that's got a poofy robe on, and he tells you to do what? Say, say
1: three Hail Marys and four Our Fathers.
0: Oh, you got off easy. I had to and do 437 God. Hail Marys. Oh, no. Okay, no, I'm kidding. You'd never I, come I, back. I, I, I never went happened. in there. But yeah, you do Hail Keep Marys. Yeah. He never tells you, you know, oh. You, you're already forgiven in Christ. This is grace. God has sent his son to forgive. You don't get that. You got to do this and you got to do that. and You got to do one thing and another. You are being deprived of what God has already given in the giving of his son. Completely deprived of it. You're being robbed of it. Like that judge that gives you a wrong sentence and your life is deprived of freedom or money because it was a wrong sentence. Okay. Jesus Christ is clearly shown to be greater than all angels in the book of Hebrews. And he is noted as the one and only mediator between God and man in the book of 1 Timothy. Okay, when you read the book of Hebrews, I want you, if you haven't heard this before, I want you to think of this as you're reading Hebrews. Greater than. You go through the book of Hebrews. Jesus is greater than Aaron. Jesus is greater than the law. Jesus is greater than the angels. Jesus is great. He goes again and again and again. We have a better offering. We have a better sacrifice. Think of the word greater than when you're reading through the book of Hebrews and it will be a lot clearer for you, okay? But this is what we're being told here. And in 1 Timothy, it says there is one mediator between God and man that is the man Christ Jesus. He doesn't say he's the God Christ Jesus because Christ is the deity of of Jesus, but the man is the one that mediates between us and then the Christ is the one that mediates the infinite to God. He is the man that takes our prayers and he is the God that sends them to the Godhead. Okay, He's the God-man. There would be no mediation with God without the incarnation okay? It is a process that develops. I like to say that at the end of sermons sometimes. When you are fallen, when you're without Christ, and then you come to Christ, what does God do? Or what does Jesus do? He puts one hand on fallen you, and he puts his other hand out to his infinite Father, and he becomes the bridge that otherwise is not available. Because We are in time. He is outside of time. And we've sinned and we can't go back and undo it. But Christ can because he is over all of this. And he has the atonement in his shed blood. So he can do what nobody else can do. This is what we need to understand about Jesus. And this is grace. This is what God has given us. Paul continues to speak of such a person by saying that he is, here's Paul's words, intruding into those things which he has not seen. The word intruding is another unique word to the New Testament. Paul's use of it is probably referring to someone who claims to see, as you get all the time, just go on YouTube and you'll see a thousand of them, heavenly visions, and then goes on to explain what their heavenly vision means. There are like seven million Seventh-day Adventists out there right now. I think that's the number, and they're one of the fastest-growing denominations on the planet, and their entire Faith is based on false visions of a person named Ellen G. White. Completely, completely false. Everything she said, she's a false prophetess, and yet people follow that denomination because of her. There are millions of Mormons based on a supposed heavenly vision by a guy named Joseph Smith. And they're being led down the primrose path by people that never saw a thing except delusions from their own mind and like I said, there are people, just go type in visions of God or visions of Jesus on YouTube and you can watch videos all day long, all day long and never come to the end of them. Everybody's had a vision. Everybody knows better than the Bible itself. Listen, the Bible is what we need to understand God. It is what we need to develop our relationship, our theology, everything that we need is in Scripture. And yet, we'll go anywhere but to the Bible. Mm. I, I don't understand that, but that's what humans do, all right. Um, let's see here. Yeah, intruding is another unique word. Heavenly visions. Okay. In turn, others will then be willing to follow them because of their crazy visions and their supposedly superior access to divine mysteries. Remember that lady that said that uh, Jesus is going to return uh, in, g- yeah, Jacksonville, and then he's going to land in Sanford, Florida, and well, that didn't happen. But how many people were? Following that person. I don't know, but I bet you there were a lot. I bet you there were a lot. I've got the access to the divine. And it didn't happen, and she's going to make an excuse, and people are just going to follow her again because they'd rather do that than spend the time reading the Bible and understanding what God really intends for us in this world. Okay? It's very. Oh, I even talk about it right here. Okay. Um, uh, they have access into divine ministries. This would cover countless supposed visions of the church age. The Roman Catholic is caught up in the visions of Fatima, okay? It's like a cult, the cult of Fatima. The Seventh-day Adventists hold fast to the visions of Ellen G. White. The list of such people goes on and on and on. They have, and they continue to make to this day, claims of divine visions. Some claim to have been to heaven. Remember the guy that wrote the book about going to heaven? I said, he didn't. Everybody read it. Everybody was so certain that this guy had done it. And I said, listen, why are you wasting your time on that book? Why are you listening? And then a couple years later, he admitted that he lied. Why would you even get into that? It was
1: the kid,
0: right? Well, the kid, whatever. It doesn't matter. Whoever it was, I said, nobody has gone there. Nobody's had a vision and people are spending millions of dollars on books instead of just picking up the Bible and reading it because sensational sells. We like sensational. When we turn on a movie and it's boring, what do we do? we turn the channel. We want something that'll excite us. I'm going to say this. I think in this week's sermon, maybe it's next week's sermon, there is nothing more exciting than this book when you know what this book is telling you. But it takes a lot of study. It takes a lot of hard work. And it takes a lot of your time. I mean, 1189 chapters in this Bible. That's a lot of work to get through it. And it's confusing. But the more you read it, the more it it opens itself up to you. And pretty soon you're saying, I can't, I'm so excited about this, but people don't want to do that. And so they do this nonsense. Okay. Some claim to have uh, uh, been to heaven, some to hell. Okay. Here's one for you. Now, hell, I want you to know that the word hell doesn't really mean hell. Okay. The word hell is an archaic word that used to mean Hades, the pit everybody's going to go to the pit someday, okay? So you could say, I'm going to go to hell someday. And people today would freak because, oh. So when you think of hell, we think of the lake of fire, okay? That's what we think of. So when I say the word hell here, I want you to know that nobody, I'm talking about hell, what we think of, the lake of fire, not not dying, nobody has ever gone to hell, ever. How do we know that? We haven't had the judgment yet. The great white throne. Nobody's gone there. There's nobody in hell yet. Okay. That is coming someday. It's not here now. So if anybody ever says, I went to hell and I saw a vision and God told me this is what will keep you out of it. He's lying. Don't buy the book. Okay. Absolutely. Revelation. It tells us nobody has gone there yet. And if they do, they ain't coming back. Okay. Crazy. Crazy okay let's see here um hell some have angels stop by their office for coffee no kidding i read a commentary on a blog one time a guy says yeah this angel comes in and has coffee with me and people follow this guy type in a search on youtube and a thousand false claims will come up charismatic churches make a million claims a year and i bet you that's an understatement with all the charismatic churches and all the lord told me I bet you that's a huge understatement. million claims here about divine dreams, visions, and prophecies. You're not going to get them except here. That's Charlie Garrett 101. If you don't believe me, that's fine. Believe whatever you want, but I do not accept extra biblical revelation. I don't believe it because we have God's revelation right here. Why would he do that? Oh, I gave you my word. It's got everything you need to know, but I'm going to give you more. I don't believe it. Okay, if you do, that's fine. I I don't hate you. I just disagree with you. Countless books have been written about such things, and yet the Bible tells us that these things are false. Paul's telling us right now. All such claims are without merit. With the completion of Scripture, these things have passed away. And the Bible is our sole source of divine inspiration. Have a wonderful night. Drive safe. The book is complete. What more could we use for our life's doctrine and practice? What? Anything? I can't think of a thing. Paul warns that anyone who says that they have had such a vision is vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. The idea of true humility is to make less of oneself, not more of oneself. In essence, it is to shrink in size before another, not to act pious, but actually expand in size okay but such a person is actually making himself larger he's puffed up like a kernel of corn which pops from the heat the vanity of the person characterizes his false humility it shows that he has been negatively affected in his mind okay these people are quacks who speak without any true substance this is why paul finishes by noting such a person's person's fleshly mind. Their flesh is what is carnal. It is not what is spiritual. They claim that which is divine but their claims are actually earthly and sensual. They are to be rejected. If the people were wise enough to have known their Bible, if they were to have tested what the Bible says against Ellen G. White's prophecies, there would not be one Seventh-day Adventist church and not one person called a Seventh-day Adventist to this day. Not one, but they weren't willing to check. And they grow up in these churches. That's what they know, and they're never going to change their minds. But there they are, trying to observe a Sabbath when Christ is our Sabbath rest. They're, They're doing exactly what the Bible told us not to do just a couple verses ago. Life application. No matter how true a claim sounds about a heavenly vision, an angelic vision, A trip to hell and back or whatever someone else claims he has seen. It is always better to keep your money in your wallet and to not listen to such a person. If that claim is true, which it is not, you haven't lost anything by ignoring that person, okay? If the claim is true or is not true, you have saved yourself from getting sucked in by someone the Bible has warned you about in the first place. You haven't lost anything and you're not going to gain anything, so why even bother? Read your Bible. You know what? I was... Every day... I'll finish that in a second. Every day I get up and I... I, uh, what? What's the first thing I do? I post the commentary for today. Okay, that's the first thing I do. After I've read my Bible and I turn on the computer, I get everything ready and then I post today's commentary for Acts. Okay, and when I do, I always put three links in there. One of the links is to uh, Daniel over in the UK and he reads it. So if somebody wants to hear it read to them with this great, you know, British accent, they'll click on that. Okay, and then there are two other links, which Joey does and she has them on YouTube and it gives the commentary, but it scrolls. And she may have sounds of thunder and a storm in the background, or she may have sounds of music in the background. One of them is Sergio's song that he did years ago, Snap, Snap, Turtle. Anyway, and you can hear it in the background. Snap, Snap, Turtle. Okay, Turtle Beach. It's a great song, and you'll hear it, and it's it's this pleasing sound, okay? But she she will do that, and they scroll. Okay, so I'm posting that, and then I, uh, by the time I've done that, they're about to end, and then I get into moving the next one forward a day. And then after I've moved the one forward a day, then I type my next one. And so while I'm typing it, everything is stopped. I'm not listening to Daniel because I need to concentrate. But this morning, what will happen, Rumble will not do this, but YouTube will do this, is that you'll come to the end of a video and quite often it'll just start playing another video. Okay. And when that happens, it could be anything. And quite often it's worship music. It's just this beautiful. And so I don't mind it playing in the background because it doesn't interfere with my thoughts about what I'm typing. Okay. And so this worship music just starts playing. Today it wasn't that. Today it was, um, what's it, David Suchet, who, uh, Plural, the guy that did Plural. you've seen him. Everybody here has seen David Suchet. Um, there, that guy right there. David Suchet—he's—he was—he uh, did all kinds of great things. You've seen him, I guarantee you've seen him in movies. Okay, David Suchet reading the Gospel of Mark. Huh. It just came up in it, and you know I've listened to him before, so it selected that because I've listened to him. I've listened to John. I've listened to Matthew. I've listened to Luke. Well, it brought up Mark. That was the next one apparently in the playlist, and I had to stop it because I can't think. Well, somebody's reading. Music is different than but as soon as I was done typing my commentary this morning, he went back on. And that's what I listened to through all of my research for the CG report. And so I did the whole book of Mark this morning. And I have to tell you, he does a marvelous job. If you want to hear a great reading of the Bible, go to David Suchet. You can also get it with Johnny Cash. You can get all kinds of people that do it. But this guy, he's very eloquent. He's very proper in his English. And he will do a great job for you. I know you'll like it. But... um The point is that once I started hearing that, all I wanted to do do was to hear it. That's all I wanted. I couldn't wait to get done with my commentary because I wanted to hear the Bible read to me. And when I get in the car, if the Bible, Thor, my son, he borrowed my car last night. He had to pick up something. And if you own a truck, people are gonna borrow it. I can tell you that right now. But he borrowed my truck and he uh, turned off my Bible because he knows that I don't wanna lose where I'm at in my Bible and he turned on a Christian radio station. So he's listening to Christian music. And when I got in the car this morning, I turned it on and here's Christian music. And I thought, I don't want to listen to this. I want to listen to the Bible. Once you get used to having the Bible fill your life, nothing will ever replace it. Nothing will replace it. And once you hear it read, you just want to hear it more. So Focus on scripture. Don't focus on this stupid stuff that doesn't edify anybody. It doesn't build up anybody. It has lined you. It's depriving you of your money. It's making other people rich that don't deserve it. I could write a book today on my trip to heaven and I guarantee you it would sell millions and millions of copies. I'd be a millionaire.
1: Oh,
0: that guy. Like Joshua. Hey, there he is. That go- oh, he's, he's what we're talking about. Anyway, uh, if I did that, if I was to write a book about this, people would buy it. I guarantee you. And because I know what the Bible says, I'd be able to weave it in to make it so convincing that I would sell millions of books and I would be deceiving people. Why would I do that? There's no need for that type of thing. And there's no need for you to participate in that type of thing. Learn the Bible. Get into the Word of God and you will be blessed beyond anything else that will ever happen in your life, ever because this is the foundation. When you lose your husband, when you lose your child, when you, you, know, you lose your finances, your house burns down, without the rock of Christ in your life, it's a lot more shocking than it would be otherwise. I can assure you of that. Okay, if their claim is not true, you have saved yourself from getting sucked in by someone the Bible has warned you about in the first place. Instead of watching their stupid hour-long video, try reading your Bible for an hour. Or just listen to David Suchet, okay? Instead of buying and reading their book, try going to a decent Bible study. In the end, it all comes down to priorities. Don't waste your time on such nonsense. Please, that's what I implore you. And, you know, this is, like I said, this is coming from somebody that could easily do that. I could easily do that. And I'd have all kinds of sales and people would say, oh, I guarantee you that's true. When you go to the Superior Word website, every bit of my life since I have come to Christ and typed commentaries on the Bible, every bit of it is there. Every bit of it is free. People email me and they say, can I borrow uh, your stuff? And I say, borrow it, use it. Just copy it, I don't care. And I tell them the same thing every time. My copyright is that you have a right to copy. I don't care because it's not about peddling for money. It's about the word of God, okay? So if people are out there trying to sell you that stuff, ignore it, just ignore it. 219.
1: 219.
0: Give me one second, because I, I wasn't ready.
1: Time's
0: up. Okay, here we are.
1: He has lost con- connection with the head, from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as god causes it to grow
0: okay ligaments and sinews this one says joints and ligaments okay where is it and not holding fast to the head from whom the head is christ and not holding fast to the head from whom all the body nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments grows with the increase that is from god if you don't have christ and you're trying to do all these other things, St. Michael's Church and Seventh-day Adventists and worshiping angels and praying to saints, you're not being nourished. You're not being nourished at all. There is no life coming into your bones. It's just rote religion. It's just something that's making somebody else rich. It's making them happy, okay? I can tell you that you are not being nourished by those things. Now, I will make an exception, okay? Uh, Tom's got a book right now. Burke read it today or Burke I gave it to him a while ago he read it and then I he said it was very good it's an end times book who wrote it um Whitcomb, Whitcomb? Uh, isn't it,
1: isn't it I don't know Tom? Uh, Valhorn? oh
0: Wolverd okay yeah Wolverd wrote it and Burke said it was good I have no pe- problem with people I have no problem with people reading books like that they're you know it's a view on the end times okay i think people get a little too crazy about the end times and pretty soon that's all they focus on that's not healthy okay that is unhealthy but to read something like that and to see what the guy's views on the end times is is fine and if it's recommended by burke hey then it's you know this can be safe and that's why i gave it to him first because i don't have time to read these things and if it's good maybe i'll read it after tom does because it's not a long book but I, I've got to expend my brain energy to think, is this proper before I hand it on to somebody else? And I don't want to do that. So, um, uh, and I shouldn't do it to Burke either, because he's always sending out great stuff, and so I'm depriving of him of his time as well. But, he could say no. Yeah, he could say no. But he enjoyed it. Tom's going to enjoy it. I know he will, and then we'll go on from there. Okay. Uh, 219, this verse is rather similar to what he said in Ephesians 4, 15 and 16. As a matter of fact, from here on out, we're going to see that Ephesians and Colossians almost match each other. The thought process that's going on in Paul's mind. We'll see this all the way through to the end of the book, probably. Um, I I can't say that for certain, but it is coming. So we're going to go right now to Ephesians, um, what did I say, 4? And then 15 and 16. So Ephesians 4, where are we? Uh, But speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ from whom the whole body, here it is, joined and knit together by whatever joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Very similar in thought, and we're going to see this all the way through. It's like Paul, his mind was working in a certain way that said, I need for some reason to repeat this." this, this chain of thought that I said to the Ephesians, and so that's what he's doing. Okay, Um, let's see here. Paul is now bringing an indictment against such a person as mentioned in the preceding verse. It is the one who, as he stated, is puffed up in his fleshly mind. This person is, as already described, is not holding fast to the head. That's Paul's words of this verse. He's not holding fast to the head. Christ is the head, and this person intentionally severs himself from him, meaning Christ, by observing things from an obsolete law or some other thing. We talked about all kinds of crazy things, but the Seventh-day Adventists are definitely an obsolete law because that's what the Seventh-day Adventists. Everybody understand the the, the name? The Sabbath. We are Adventists of the Sabbath, okay? In other words, we need to go back in order to go forward. We, we We've got to observe the Sabbath. You know, we're, we're going to usher in the kingdom and all that crazy kind of stuff. All right. There's no sense in that. There's no point in that. All right. He's puffed up in his fleshly mind. All right.
1: And no music. They
0: don't have. Yeah, no music. No Pepsi. I just, you know, it's no crazy. Meat. No meat. Yeah. Some of them don't have meat. It's just, it's legalism heaped on top of legalism heaped on top of legalism. Why would you want to do that to yourself? When Paul talks about eating meat like eight times in the New Testament, Alright? Okay. I, I'm sorry. I, it's just too good having a turkey coming up next week. Um, let's see here. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, he observes an obsolete law and then claiming that his directions came from, like Ellen G. White, angelic visions or some other supposed authority. It's ex- this is what Paul is telling us. He's telling us this in advance and yet people because they didn't read their Bible get drawn into this type of stuff. They get sucked into it, and that's the end of their useful life in Christ. And maybe they were never saved at all before it happened. And if that's the case, then their whole life is wasted. Wasted. But Paul notes that it is Christ from whom all the body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. Everything that's going on is working together because of Christ. And without him, none of this is going to work. None of it. There is one body that is attached to Christ, and that body is wholly interconnected. It is, as Paul says, nourished and knit together. And everything works seamlessly because the head directs it. If you are not connected to the head, then you are not being directed by the head. These people sit in the Seventh-day Adventist Church, or in the Mormon Church, or they're not being directed by the head. There's no nourishment that, you know, and the funny thing is they're reading the same Bible. They're reading the same Bible, but they're, selectively, okay? And once again, this nice young man that emails me about these Jehovah's Witnesses, he has a question. Of course, they take one verse and they never expand on it. They never evaluate any other verse that's connected to it because if they did, it would disprove what they're trying to claim. You've got to take the Bible as a whole. You can't just take this verse and say, oh, pin this to your shirt and now go out and do something. It doesn't work that way, okay? You have to have an idea of everything that is taught in the doctrine that's presented. If somebody gives you a verse about baptism, for example, we'll just stop right there and we'll say uh, Mark, Mark 16. Let's go there, Mark 16. Actually, let's go to Mark
1: 17.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You paid attention. All right, there is no Mark 17. Um, okay, so we're going to go to Mark 16. We're fighting attention, but we don't think about it. Oh, okay, well, couple did. 17. Yeah, Mark 17. Okay, we got... Uh, like the book of
1: David.
0: Yeah, the book of David. The book of Hezekiah. Or, yes. Um, okay, Mark 16, 16. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. You take that out and you tell somebody that, you can make anything mean anything with that you can have that person go so far down a rotten path that they'll never come to any knowledge of what is being said you take baptism and it is a giant subject in the bible from the time that jesus commands baptism in matthew 28 it you know just just in matthew 28 he commands this and then from there baptism is mentioned again and again and you could stop what they did when they they uh, hampered him is they gave him Matthew six I'm sorry Mark sixteen sixteen and Acts two thirty eight. You talk about two verses that are completely disconnected from anything else, and then say this is our doctrine on baptism. That is a sorry place to be. That is a, who is Acts two given to? Jesus. The Jews. The Gentiles don't even come into play for chapters. It's just Israel. They just crucified Christ. They'd rejected their Messiah. And he tells them they have to do certain things. That doesn't apply to you today. I'm sorry. Go to Acts chapter 10 and what happens? Sure. Peter gives them the gospel. The Holy Spirit comes down on them. They hadn't even been baptized yet. And then they were baptized. Okay? Acts 16:16, 16, 16, I'm sorry, Mark 16:16 16, 16 is not a verse that you want to use for telling people about baptism unless you take it in the context of the entire subject of baptism. You
1: have to take Max Lucado out, too. Some what? Max Lucado.
0: Max Lucado. Yeah, he's Church of Christ, right? So he's he's a, I know he he is. Is
1: a preacher with a lot of people.
0: Yeah, yeah. I know he is, and he, he, you got to be baptized in order to be saved. That's absolutely crazy. Yeah. I, were the people in Acts chapter 10 not saved until after they were baptized, but they'd already received the Spirit? That sounds like Paul's words of Galatians. It doesn't make any sense, but people don't think. They don't think. Okay, Um, let's see here. Um, uh, I don't even know where I was. Body is nourished, um, uh, interconnected. It is nourished in it together, and everything works seamlessly because the head directs it. Okay, I I know I've read this before, and I'm going to read it again. If someone does not hold fast to Christ, then there is no interconnection, and thus there is no nourishment. And there is no nourishment, then there can be no growth, with the increase that is from God. If you're not being nourished, you cannot grow in the subject, the, uh, uh, what am I thinking of? The theology of God. You can't do it. You will be stagnant. Whatever you've been taught, that's all you're going to believe and you're never going to develop, okay? Paul doesn't say there's no growth at all, but the growth of someone who is not connected to Christ does not come from God. Anything not of God is, by default, of the devil. 1 John 3, 8, for example. It's several places you can see that. This is the warning that Paul makes in following such a person. He claims spiritual enlightenment, but there is rather spiritual darkness. Hey, we see that in the projects. Not as often as we used to, but you do see the JWs walking around. You'll see the Seventh-day Adventists walking around. It's either darkness or light. It's either grace or its works. There is no fellowship between the two. He claims spiritual enlightenment, there is spiritual darkness. He claims life and viability, but there is instead only a path which leads to sickness and to death. As a logical connection to what Paul is saying, we need to realize that Christ Jesus is not physically here with us. Anybody that thinks that is wrong as well. And neither are the apostles, meaning those who saw and learned directly from Jesus. As this is so, then the Bible by default, must be our one source of staying connected to the head. Everybody, see that? Mm-hmm. It ain't going to come from anybody else, any other book, or any supposed person that says, The Lord just told me. I remember sitting in a church one day, Zola Levitt was visiting, and we went up to see him. And that pastor, The Lord just told me somebody here needs to come in and clean the kitchen this weekend and have it ready for church on Sunday. He did this like 15 times during the time that he was talking. He only talked a few minutes because Zola did all the talking. But this guy was like, he's just convicting his congregation constantly because he has a spiritual connection to God. God is speaking in his ear while he's speaking to them. I'm sorry, that does not happen. All right? Um, As a logical connection to what Paul is saying, I said that by default, the Bible must be our one source of staying connected to the head. It must be. This is why there are no true visions today. Zero. This is why we don't have a word from the Lord today, like that guy up in St. Pete. The word from the Lord is the word of the Lord, meaning the Bible. Instead of believing people who, let me turn the page here, who make claims about extra biblical revelation, just think the matter through. What more do we need than what God has supplied us in Scripture? Now, I'm not saying that it's not helpful to have pastors and preachers and teachers explain the Bible to us and to give commentaries. That's what I'm doing right now. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people that are claiming that they are getting revelation that isn't in this book. It's one thing to analyze this book, and it's another thing to add to this book. As the wording used by Paul here is very close to that of Ephesians 4, 15, and 16, referring to that commentary, you can go online and read it or go watch the old Ephesians Bible studies, will provide additional insights into his thoughts of this verse. In the end, the result of not being properly connected to the head is to follow a sad path which leads to loss. That's the only thing it's going to do. If you're not connected to the head and you're not understanding what this word is saying, then you are going to face Loss. I'm not saying that you're not saved or you're going to lose your salvation. I'm talking about you in your relationship to Christ and your growth in Christ. Okay? Life application. How many times and in how many different ways does the Bible need to warn us about following false teachers? And yet, countless numbers of people do just that. They may or may not be saved, but even if they are, their doctrine has them in bondage and the people they follow will only continue to lead them down unhappy trails without any true connection to the head of the faith unhappy trails you know the old song happy trails okay yeah i was
1: just also thinking every time i hear somebody say god told me and ask how did he tell you did you hear an audible voice yeah was there a supernatural revelation. It's always, no, it's just like a feeling yeah. or a hunch or some kind of a emotional thing or some signs like number here they saw, number there they saw. But I—I I, maybe you can tell because I can't think of a single God's revelation in the Bible that was by hunch or feelings. It was always clear, audible. Very clear. Even the vision with Peter, that he spoke to them audibly yeah. to Peter, say, Simon, go down, there three men waiting for you. So all of this, always audible, always, always clear. There was never hunch or... Yeah.
0: No, I can't think of any. I can't think of a single one. There's never a time. Isaiah was told Hezekiah is going to die. He gets out to the middle court. The Lord spoke to him. Yeah. He turns around and says, I'm going to add to you 15 years. Okay, there's always something direct that the Lord has done. These hunches, it's fine to have hunches. I'm going to tell you what. There are times where we may think, you know, I really think I better talk to that person. And you don't, and the guy dies the next day. And then the rest of your life, you're regretting it. Okay, I honestly believe that Lord will put something on your heart to do something, but that doesn't mean that you need to go telling everybody else about it. That is between you and whatever the Lord has given you. You don't need to tell everybody about how spiritual you are because the Lord put it on my heart to just do what He told you to do in your heart and let it go. Just be done with it. Okay, I, uh, you know, and here I'm going to violate what I just said. But a couple days ago, I see this one guy. You know, these people come in. They work at the bike shop in the mall, okay? And there's beach attendants, and there's um, uh, they work on motorbikes, and they, there's, there's, like, all kinds of people coming and going. And some of them don't last long. They'll come in, and they'll be there. Hey, I'm blah, 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 and, you know, I'm Charlie, and, uh, you know, and I'll see him two days, and then I don't see him anymore. They quit. They don't like the job. And I finally came to my senses about, 15 years ago, and I said, I'm just not going to get to know their names until they've been there for a while, because I'm just remembering names, and I can never remember them, and I'm like, whatever happened to that? Okay, so there's a point where you have to say, okay, I know this guy now, and I need to get his name, and I did it with somebody a day ago. I see him every day for about, you know, four months, and and I'm always feeding the birds, or I'm doing something, and so uh, uh, we'll just say something to each other. But a couple nights ago, I was laying in bed, and I'm violating what I told you not to do, but um, I, I was lying in bed, and this guy came to mind, and I said, you know, I really need to talk to him about the Lord. Not because the Lord told me, maybe the Lord put it on my heart, probably not, and you'll know why in a second, but because it's my responsibility to tell him about Jesus, and I see him when he's not Working, which I'm not going to go bothering somebody while they're working unless I get permission because I don't want to rob the boss of that person's time. But um, uh, I I was just laying in bed and I said, I need to talk to that guy. I see him every day and, you know, what if he dies tomorrow? And so I did go up to him yesterday. Was it? Yeah, it was yesterday. And I introduced myself formally. He's from Michigan. He said he's from Lansing. I said, oh, I preached in Lansing in 2010 and we talked, oh boy. And and, uh, uh, I asked him, You know, if you die tomorrow, what's gonna happen? He says, I'm going to heaven. I said, why? And he said, because I believe in God. And I thought, I don't like when people answer that way because God means a lot of things. I mean, it could be Islam, it could be Buddha. And I said, well, can you be a little more specific? he says, yeah. I said, I'm a saved believer in Jesus. And I said, good, that's what I needed to hear. This God thing goes nowhere, okay? He attends it, I guess Bayside Baptist, okay? And anyway, so he's fine. So, the Lord did not obviously impress upon my heart to talk to that person. It was me being convicted in my own self because I type a commentary every day. Please be sure to tell people about Jesus. And I say this, you know, probably two commentaries a week. I say it or three. And so, I I convict my own self by doing that. And I woke up in the middle of the night and I thought, who have I not talked to about Jesus that I need to? And he came to mind. Okay. Um, But, if, in fact, the Lord put that on my heart, then I would just go do it. And I don't need to just, you know, the Lord told me to talk to that person and I did, and he got saved. No, that's kind of violating the false humility thing, right? All of a sudden, you are making yourself the focus of what happened. Just say, you know what? I talked to somebody, and they got saved, and that's all you need to say. You know, now I'm going to start a discipleship or something. What?
1: Yeah, you didn't (laughs) save him.
0: That's exactly (laughs) right. So, yeah, very, very good point. Okay, we better go because we got 15 minutes, and I know we can do a third verse today. So, yep, 20.
1: Since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why, as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules?
0: Okay. Now this ought to be obvious. I'm going to read it. Uh, It's a little different, not much. Therefore. If you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why? As though living through... I'm sorry, that's my dyslexia. Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why? As though living, not living through, uh, though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to... To regulations. Now he's going to explain what this means in the next verse, and we're not going to have time for it, I'm sure. But he says, "Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle." What's he talking about? He's talking about the law of Moses. He's talking about you know maybe somebody adding in their own thing, like the uh, the Pharisees. You got to wash this, and you got to do that, and, you know you got to do this, and and why would you do that? That's what Paul is saying right now. Why would you do that? The word "therefore" is given to sum up. His thoughts of the previous verses. However, it is lacking in many manuscripts. Yours says, since. Okay, this one says, therefore. Whether it belongs or not, the question he will ask stands. And so he asks, if you died with Christ. Yours doesn't say that. What did it say? Since you si- died with Christ. Since you died with Christ. This one says, therefore, if you died with Christ. That's what it was. Okay, this is a rhetorical question which carries the intent of, because. You died with Christ. Everybody got that? He's speaking rhetorically. Because you died with Christ, the idea of dying with Christ was explained in verses 11 and 12, but it finds a full explanation in Romans chapter 6. We're not going to go there. It's verses 1 through 11. Go read it. What does it mean to die with Christ? Okay, chapter 6 of Romans, verses 1 through 11. Paul then notes that they have died with Christ from the basic principles of the world. This is speaking of the traditions and doctrines of men. It speaks of such principles which are earthly and not of Christ. Think of what we were talking about with the Seventh Day Adventists. You've spoken to some or something because you know they don't eat meat, they don't drink Pepsi, they don't do this, and they don't nothing about it in Scripture, not a word, and yet they're following along with these things. They're being having things imposed on them that are unhealthy for them. We have freedom in Christ, and yet this is what they're doing, okay? Basic principles of the world. It speaks of principles which are earthly and not of Christ. Christ has fulfilled the law. Therefore, any ordinance of the law which he fulfilled would also be included in this. You've got the law of Moses. You've got the traditions of men. If it's not in Scripture, there's all kinds of things that people will ask about. And I'll say, is it addressed in the Bible? And they'll say, no. And I say, then you have freedom to do it. That's all there is to it. If God doesn't find it important enough to tell you about that particular issue, like driving out demons, that's an example. There's nothing about how Burke Carrico is supposed to drive out a demon, and therefore God is not worried about driving out demons. When somebody comes to Christ, demons are gone. All we need to do is give people the gospel. We don't need to worry about exorcisms. And yet, I know people personally that go out and get into exorcisms. My Christian experience really changed last night. I moved up a level in my my understanding of Christianity last night. The guy doesn't even know the Bible. He didn't know anything about it. And he told me that one day. I said, what? He said, oh, we cast out a demon last night.
1: Mm.
0: Oh, okay. Um, Whatever. And those things which were not even of the law taught taught by supposed wise men of other cultures Don't even have a starting point like the law did. They just come up with something and they say, this is what you should do. You know, the wisdom of Buddha or the wisdom of Lao Tse or something. They don't even have a starting point. The law has started them out so that they could understand the basic principles of what God expects of man. This is my standard. The man who does this will live by it. They just make stuff up starting at point P and go to Z. And they forget all of the first points that God is trying to teach us so that we understand when Christ comes, okay? Uh, If the law which was binding but is now annulled in Christ is a part of what Paul is speaking of, how much more the things which were never even a part of the law? They're totally useless. They have no bearing on anything. Because Because of this, he asks, why, as though living in the world Do you subject yourself to regulations? The single word translated as submit yourselves to regulations, it's all one word, is unique to the Bible. It is more appropriately to be translated in the passive voice. And so it should read, why do you submit yourself to being dictated to? Somebody's telling you to do this thing. Why are you doing that? Why? And you have to ask yourself, when somebody tells you you need to do this or that, Why? And if they don't have an answer, if they don't say it's in the Bible, then why would you do it? And this is what he's talking about. In other words, these people are allowing someone else to come in among them and tell them what they should be doing when they are already freed from the very things they are being told to do because they're in Christ. You know what it sounds like? This just came to mind is this World Economic Forum. This guy, Klaus Schwab, is unelected, He doesn't hold any position in the world, and he's standing up at this World Economic Forum thing where all these people are gathering, and he's telling them what to do. Who are you to tell us what to do? You're nobody. You're less than zero. And yet he's telling these people, which are supposed to be leading countries, what to do. Well, now apply that same thought to religion and how much trouble that you can get into because you listen to somebody instead of just checking out. What is your basis for telling me that? What is your grounding in whatever you're telling me so that I can accept what you're saying? But we don't do that. Oh, he's an, a specialist. Timothy Leary, right? The drug king. People following that guy? Why? Because he takes a lot of drugs? You got to wonder, what what is motivating you as a human being? Because if it's not something that's based in reality, and I, can, I know that... You can question this, and I don't mind when people do. But when you question this, or when they question it, if they do it honestly, they will always come to the conclusion that this is a source of wisdom that is way higher than humanity. Way higher. Okay? What's his name? Uh, Simon Greenleaf. Principal founder of Harvard Law School was questioned about this book. And he said, that's a book of myths. And they said, well, how do you have a right to say that unless you check it out? And what did he do? He checked it out. He became the father of judicial apologetics. He's the man that says, this is how we can know that the Bible is true from a legal standpoint. Who followed him in that? Wrote a book about 10 years ago, 15 years ago. um, uh, um, Lee Strobel, A Case for Christ. He's just following along with what that first guy already did. Legally, you cannot refute this book. There's no way to legally do it. And therefore, I will give my life to Christ. Simon Greenleaf. Okay. It would be a person like a person who had served his time in the military and had been honorably discharged. But then, whenever an old superior that he served under comes to visit, he allows himself to get bullied around by that person. That's exactly what's going on. He has served, he's been discharged, and he is free from the constraints of his service, but he allows himself to be brought back under unauthorized Authority. Imagine that. Now, he could do that. This guy retired at a rank that I couldn't even talk to. If I went in, I'd have to be at attention. My heels snapped together and standing. I mean, literally. And here we're friends. Why would I submit myself to somebody that wanted to do that? But that's what people are doing with religion, okay? In this, he allows this person, without any true authority over him, to affect his relationship with his current employer. Who is being neglected then? The rightful current employer. This is what happens when one places a principle of this world over the freedom that is found in Christ. We've been discharged from this body of death. Why would we allow somebody to rule over us again when we already have somebody that has freed us and he's also supplying us with every single thing that we need in Christ? It's all being furnished to us. Why would we do that? Paul would give examples of this in the coming verse. Life application and we're done. In having died with Christ, we are free from the bondage of the law and from any other supposed spiritual principles of the world. We are to live in Christ and we are to live for Christ. We are to trust his grace which came at such a high cost. It's wonderful to think of what Jesus did. It is terrible. It is terrible in the extreme to think of what we do with what Jesus did as human beings. When we go back and we observe the law, I mean, I can't tell you how many emails I get from people that, oh, you're going to hell because you're not observing the law of Moses. I hear you're a pastor that says it's okay to eat pork. <laughs> I, I Just people will abuse you over this type of stuff.
1: Yes, but.
0: What do you know? Are you going to let that person come and tell you what to do with your life? Absolutely not.
1: They're just judgmental. Well, yeah, they're like well, they're like They'll what, accuse you of being judgmental. It's sure. Like, oh, isn't false judgmental? humility.
0: It's like- well, it's like the Democrats projection. <laughs> mm, right. It's proge- projection. But I you know what? We've got freedom in Christ. Don't let anybody rob you that from you. That's the main lesson of today's verses. Don't let anybody rob you from your freedom in Christ. Okay? He's freed you from all of this stuff. He asks you now to walk circumspectly to live according to what the epistles tell you to do and to love God with all of your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. That's what he would ask us to do. But all that other nonsense, let it go, all right? Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the freedom that comes in Christ. We thank you for the freedom from the bondage that Israel had to suffer under for so long and they missed, they missed it all when they missed the coming of Christ. So Lord, we would lift up Israel today as well. There's so many people there that are right on the edge of coming to Jesus. And when they do, get them to a church where they can find grace. Help them to get away from the legalism that so permeates coming out of a society like that and a a structure of living like that and to just rejoice in who you are as the savior of mankind. Lord, help all of us to be that way. Help us to appreciate the grace and to question how you could be so good to us, even in our fallen state. How good you are, oh God. Help us in this. Help us to always be humble before you and before others. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, here we go. Back this baby up. Apparently, we don't have sound. Do you want to get the sound going if I push this or? It's going. Oh, good. Okay, here we go. Actually, Okay, we're going to find out. I'm going to push this in just a second. So Sergio's going to get over there and I'm going to push it now. Here we it go. It's on break.